Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, the president of Westminster Effects. I say president. I'm the only guy. Uh, you can buy stuff at WestminsterEffects.com. Join the group at the Westminster Effects. Who's your secretary, Cody? Well, John is my chief marketing officer. There you go. So there you go. There is that. He's the CMO. Uh, everything is contracted out. <laughs> but in terms of proper production and all that kind of stuff, I'm the only guy. Sole proprietor of Westminster Effects. Yes, even though it's an LLC. Uh, you can support the show at anchor.fm, even a dollar a month. Let's say if you give me a dollar a month, I'll give you a shirt. And email me when you do that. Subscribe, comment, Facebook, Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. You've already heard the other people uh, <laughs> on this. Uh, so in person, we have... This is Bradley Cox. Hey, everybody. Uh, pastor at Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. And via the interwebs. John Ross, Westminster Effects Artist, Augsburgian Christian Vinyl Media Enthusiast from Lincoln, Nebraska. <laughs> I've seen that. You've, yeah. You have quite enjoyed... Uh, obtaining and listening to vinyl. Well, lately. I've I've gotten uh, so I've had the collection, but uh, my hi-fi system parted ways with me a number of years ago. Mostly because my children would go up and up to the dust cap on the speaker and go boop, and I'm like, okay, yeah, we're <laughs> we're <laughs> we're done with this. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I've been. You um, got you got uh, probably the most. Uh, I think we actually talked about this a couple weeks ago on when Bradley wasn't here was your classiest um, acquisition being Green Day's Dookie album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's actually well no it's it's behind Elvis Bishop right now on on the shelf but <laughs> it's it's right it's right behind there anyway so I've been piecing the hi-fi back together and uh, uh, have enjoyed that and and I have a place. Not a, a perfect place, uh, but um, I have things set up where I've got a, a good listening area, which is important for me uh, because when I listen to when I sit down to actually listen to a, a record, it could be on a CD or more mm-hmm. lossless audio or something. Yeah, I'm one of those guys. Um, I don't listen to just a song. I don't be like, mm, I want to listen to uh, Jump by Van Halen, and so I pull out 1984 and I put there it on. Go. I listen to jump and then I put it away. I I'm, I listen to the whole album side yep. A to B C to D front to back cover to cover, read the liner notes, do nothing else, but listen to the album, listen to the recording quality, the mastering quality, like all the transients just enjoy the experience of, uh, of music reproduced as close as my budget can get, which isn't that big, uh, to uh, to the way it was recorded, and there there's there's a uh, a blissful pleasure that comes along with that. And I, so, I uh, am also a a big album guy. If if I only like a couple of songs by a band, I typically don't consider them worth listening to mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. general. Like if that's all you got, then I'm just going to move on. Uh, where sure. I would, I'd much rather sit down and listen to 10 to 12 really good songs mm-hmm. and enjoy the whole thing all the way through and then not have to worry about, you know, Spotify shuffling or mm-hmm. well, sure. I mean, and, and, you know, there, there's something to be said for even, even, Albums that have not great songs on them, perhaps songs that, yeah, per, you know, perhaps a track listing that uh, is more lousy than than decent. 
text message from my wife who will probably mad at me for some reason. <laughs> Where are those drywall dealio? So this this is the episode where John airs his yeah. dirty marital laundry. <laughs> uh, it's by the bookcase in the dining room on Sayla's little <laughs> table. Uh, anyways, well, so now all of our listenership knows exactly where at this point in time the little drywall dealios are. Um, Anyways, there's something we said for for even going through a a whole album that, um, I mean, there's a thought process that went into how uh, how these tracks, how these these songs were arranged on the album. Um, I mean, there's there's an yep. artistic side to that. With with vinyl, there's certainly a a, a mechanical and physical side to that. Um, I'm not going to get into that because that's like, bleh. but uh, yeah, look, look into vinyl mastering and how it has to change across the disc. Um, it's an interesting thing, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many facets to it that when you can just get caught up in the music yep. and the experience reading the liner notes, because I mean, ask yourself, when was the last time you listened to music? Not you necessarily, Cody, but um, when was the last time the the royal you listened to music for the sake of listening to music? Not like, I want to listen to music and you grab a book. Or I want to listen to music and uh, you cook dinner. It's like you sit down and do nothing else other than right. enjoying the work of the artist. There's something to be said for that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like there, there's absolutely room to have music on for the sake of having something on in the background. 100%. Focus 100%. Or anything. It happens like, all the like, time. Like I even, when I was working on my most recent blog, I turned on the Skyrim soundtrack. Oh, nice. <laughs> because it's it's all instrumental. Mm-hmm. I know it, so I'm not picking out parts yep. of, oh, that's interesting. I never heard that before. No, like I, I'm familiar with it. So uh, it, mm-hmm. it helped me just kind of tune in and get the thing done, or at least 70% done that particular sitting. Um, 100%. Hey, I've got to go upstairs and find those drywall thingies for my wife. So <laughs> you, you get us started on the topic, and I'll be right back. Well, as, uh, as John temporarily leaves this, Bradley, uh, the Inquisition this week uh, was overwhelmingly in regards to uh, the breach at the at the United States Capitol mm-hmm. uh, when Congress was verifying the ele- electoral vote count per their responsibilities in the 12th Amendment. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's ugly day for America, mm-hmm. uh, no doubt. Um, and as this as we're recording, we're six days out from that. And when it releases, it'll be about two weeks away from, from that. So we'll have, I think a little more perspective even then, mm-hmm. uh, but being basically a week out, we've, we've had some time to process some of these things. And uh, so we'll, I guess there's two, two questions up front and then three questions on the back and they're, those clusters are related. So Brian Morris as a tradition, 
asks, are Christians hurting their witness by believing and spreading political conspiracy theories? If so, how should we respond? And Scott Hamilton asks, so we've now seen the QAnon stuff and other Christian hoaxes, QAnon does purport to be of a Christian origin, uh, spread through our churches. How do we turn things around and how do we talk with people in our families who love this stuff? Uh, and I guess to define our terms, QAnon uh, for the uninitiated um, is a conspiracy theory kind of resides in the shady corners of the internet, like 4chan. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> it's, it, it purports to be uh, from this source called Q John, John just joined us again. And so if you're, giving, and if you're, Oh, and if you're a Star Trek fan, Q has multiple layers of, of, Oh boy. Well, we won't get into that part of Q. <laughs> yeah, no, it's probably, probably completely unrelated. And, and I don't want Star Trek fans to be caught up yeah, in this. So, whole mess. so Q, <laughs> so Q <laughs> actually is soy. I don't want to sully yeah. their good name. <laughs> so Q really mm-hmm. is a security clearance in the United States government. It is mm-hmm. above top secret. It is the highest security clearance possible. And, Whoever Q is on 4chan claims to be disseminating information in uh, Donald Trump's secret war against a cabal of Satanist, cannibalistic pedophiles who actually run the deep state of the government and and that kind of thing. Are they cannibals? That's what Wikipedia says. So... Yeah, so Goodness. there's apparently some cannibalism involved. Uh, also, Jeffrey Epstein really did not kill himself, but that is that's not a conspiracy. Um, <laughs> but so, how do we how do we talk to people in our churches and our families who buy into stuff like QAnon or stuff like um, Trump saying the the election was absolutely stolen? Here's our you know. Dominion is owned by China and they're in league with Venezuela and stuff like that, which by the way, Dominion is suing uh, Sidney Powell for $1.3 billion right now. Um, And they're suing Newsmax and Newsmax issued a retraction Mm. just for the record. (laughs) Um, So there's all these conspiracy theories flying around and sadly, at least from my perspective, a lot of Christians are buying into it. And and it, I, it really yeah, seems like know, some uh, idols are being toppled. That's my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I know one absolutely certain. Uh, I've since um, mu- uh, muted or this individual on Facebook, um, and I, I've tried to spend less time on Facebook in in general uh, in recent <laughs> months. But um, it it was it was shocking the the amount of uh, of dedication mm-hmm. it would seem that this individual had to this and and it was uh now i i don't want to say it was completely shocking um he th- this individual is uh, an anti-vaxxer as well mm-hmm. um and uh and I, I i don't mean to imply that that those who buy into qAnon and those who buy into anti-vax are of the same level of gullible, but I think uh, I think anti-vax may be maybe a gateway drug <laughs> into uh, in, into the other kind of systematic distrust um, that 
that one would have to have to, to buy into this. Um, and I've got a, a mutual friend then um, who's really, they're in a Bible study together and who's really struggling um, with how to approach um, this QAnoner, as it were, um, as a Christian brother and be like, Hey man, you know, this, this isn't, this isn't healthy. And I don't, I, I haven't came up with a good answer yet with how to do that. So I, I would really be interested, uh, Bradley, in, in, in your work of shepherding your congregation at Res, if you've come across this and, and what you've done I, uh, to, to perhaps steer people away from this, what, what really at the end of it is, is a sensationalized foundational distrust of, of government. Mm-hmm. You know, um, <clears throat> last night I listened to Matt Chandler's sermon from this past Sunday. Mm. So that would have been, what was this past Sunday's date? The 10th. Yeah. Sounds right. So if, if, if folks want to go find that, um, Village Church, Matt Chandler, January 10th, um, his message, which I think, if, if I heard him right, they, they had something totally different planned. I think mm-hmm. they were starting a new series in Genesis 1, and then because of the events of Wednesday, they ended up calling an audible, and he spoke to you know the events of this past week, and I... It, was that the video that was done like in his kitchen? No, 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 no. Okay. This is the sermon that happened this is, after this that is the sermon. Okay. okay. Sermon that happened after that. Um, I saw that video too, but the sermon, you know, was helpful because what he pointed out that perhaps a lot of Christians have not really thought about it this way is that if we think of things as there being two camps, I know there are more theories and yeah. and ideas and all that but if we if we've got two camps of the you know uh, the, the socialist baby killing um democrats on the left and the the right wing gun toting uh racist white supremacist trump loving mm-hmm. people on the right and if you if you want to find literature and media to support any and all of the conspiracy theories that could be lumped into either one of those camps, you can find it Mm -hmm. and you can find well-written. It it might be a, a hot, sticky, wet pack of lies, but you can find well-written stuff that would support all the conspiracy theories on both sides and both camps. And, here we are at this place where, you know, I'm, I'll be 44 years old this year and I've never in my life felt what I feel right now is just, I don't know who or what to believe mm-hmm. about what's going on in our world. Yep. And that's just, you know, like I told, I told resurrection church on Sunday, I'm not a guru. Right. I don't want to be a guru. I'm not trying to be a guru. I, my opinion on things is not what matters. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's been the overwhelming feeling that I've had. And I know this is maybe sounds like I'm trying to dodge the questions that you, you just read. I'm really not. It's just that what Matt Chandler said is that if, you know, 
You want to find support for your conspiracy theories? It's out there. And you can shout and 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 rail and 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 make signs um, against the other side and call them a bunch of liars. You, you, there's just ample opportunity to do that. But really what's true is that there is this third reality that is absolute and is true, yeah. and that is Christ and his kingdom um, that has come and is coming and will overwhelm and win against all the other kingdoms of this earth, and whether it's QAnon or the U.S. government or China or Iran or whatever. It doesn't, Russian collusion. Yeah, it, it, it just doesn't matter. And I'm like... I don't. Here's where I'm at right now. I'm just going to be transparent with our audience, with you guys. Is that I'm asking the Lord to show me how do I care? How do I maintain a healthy dose of compassion and concern and soberness and attentiveness to the world while while also anchoring myself to the sovereignty of God, the, 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 the absolute transcendent nature of his kingdom, because there's, there's, there's part of us, I think that we could go, like I taught from Luke two on Sunday, January 10th, which is, is interesting that we landed there in our study after Christmas. And I w I was just so caught up this past week in, that narrative to see that God wields the Roman empire like a yo-yo to get little Mary and little Joseph a hundred miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem, because that's where Messiah was prophesied to be born. Yep. That's amazing to me. He, you know, I, I said on Sunday, he could have just, you know, initiated a job transfer for Joseph or some relative dies in Bethlehem and leaves them a house to move into, which would have solved two problems, you know, no room in the inn and we got to get them to Bethlehem. <laughs> but instead he goes, Caesar, Roman Empire, the entire known world is going to be disrupted so I can get this little virgin you know, and this little carpenter a hundred miles because my son's going to be born yep. in Bethlehem. That is fascinating. And I think there's part of me that I, I stew in that. I relish that. I, I exult in that. And I look at what happens on Wednesday and I want to, and there's, there's part of my flesh and this is wrong, sinful, even maybe part of me wants to go, Psh, whatever you mm -hmm. got, you guys are wasting your time and I'm wasting mine watching this, but that's, that's carnal and that's complacent, and and I don't want that in me. I'm asking the Lord to purge that in me. I want to yeah. I want to mourn. I want to lament. And and Matt Chandler talked about that in that sermon. I want to lament in the right way because every time God has rebuilt and restored His people, this is what Chandler was pointing out. He went to Nehemiah chapter one. Every time God has done that in history, and I know that you know. He, he he was not making the case that God's people is still just only Israel, but Israel is sort of a a foreshadow of yep. the new Israel, right? God's people is that every time he rebuilds, God's people come to this place of lament and repentance. Yeah. And I think we've got to seek for that. You want to find your conspiracy theories? Go for it and waste your life. You want to prove them. Go for it and waste your life. I want to find, by, via the Spirit and the Word, 
a godly lament and mourn over the condition of the world that's only going to be solved by the supremacy of Christ. And then, as you and I have been talking about over the last couple of weeks, and I said to the church on Sunday, I find myself right now, and I'm not, a, I'm not an evangelist. Mm-hmm. Like that's, I don't, and, and people might hear that and go, what, what are you talking about? We're all called. Yes, I know we're all called to make disciples, but I, I don't have a lot of conversions in my wake. I have a lot of disciples going deeper in my yep. wake, but I find myself wanting to go out and have conversations with people that I don't even know. And when they bring up these conspiracy theories, I want to just look at them and grin and say, I hear you, but let me tell you that Jesus is Lord. Yeah. Like, like I just want to go there. Yeah. I mean, that's, and, and, that's the point. I mean, that's, I, and I think that that's the, in my conversations with our mutual friend is, is what I've been, what I've been uh, kind of gravitating towards is this, this conspiracy whatnot it's distracting from christ i mean it pulls our attention it pulls our focus it pulls our devotion away from christ and i think that needs to be the encouragement so definitely echoing you my my worry is that when we have uh, <laughs> to uh, to answer a question that came up in the podcast launch, this stream of consciousness is where uh, uh, my uh, long pauses uh, come <laughs> come from. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I'll just try to make odd noises while I'm thinking. Um, <laughs> if, if the foundation of this conspiracy, what you need, what we what we need is a pad underneath. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> So then it just sounds like a dramatic pause. And you put a pad underneath this podcast, it's going to be three hours long. Because I, <laughs> when I have music behind me, I can't stop talking. <laughs> so That's my Pentecostal that background. <laughs> with a, you know, little little roads in there. Little, mm-hmm. um, little Hammond B3 with a you know, yep. Wesley kind of go. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, if, if the foundation of this conspiracy theory is that... Uh, uh, they are fighting against uh, child trafficking, and, uh, and which, which certainly let's fight against that. But if if the uh, if the if the core of this is that there is a subset led by uh, led by Donald Trump that is trying to um, overthrow this uh, Satan worshiping cabal. Um, that could be twisted to very much sound like the work of of the most high and like if a conversation went the direction of like but i am focusing on on christ and his work and he's doing it that uh, that i'm not saying that's happened but i'm saying it it, it could mm-hmm. and i don't know where to go from that if they're so caught up in this where they equate the uh, the product of of this fight against mm-hmm. whatever, if they equate that to very much doing, you know, we're on a mission from God. You know, if they equate that, <laughs> I need to go watch Blues Brothers again. 
Yes, you do. Um, <laughs> I think that that adds a wrench in, in into those conversations. Um, you know, I'd be interested. I'm ahead, not sorry. sure I'd get out. That I'm not sure I'd get out of. Uh, I, I'm interested to hear Cody, you and your post mill self. How, like these conspiracy theories, like mm-hmm. for me, optimistic a mill might be where I land. I was actually sure. having a conversation with my wife about this recently. She was asking me where I stand on all this, and I, I said I think I'm optimistic a mill. I think that's probably where I would. Sam mm-hmm. Storms and I get along pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, but for you and, and you know, post-mill conspiracy theories, I, I feel like I can look at the conspiracy theories and go, it's not a good use of my time trying to sort all that out. It's not a good yeah. use of my time even trying to go and imagine that I might in some way lead an effort to defeat Mm-hmm. QAnon or the cabal, yeah, yeah. bring them down, and the <laughs> kingdom of God takes over. This is the the crusades, right? That we're going, and I know that that's not right. It's not a true. I'm, I'm being a little bit. I'm exaggerating post mill a little bit. But how does the post mill mind go at conspiracy theories yeah. theologically? That was that was actually going to be my next point uh one of my greatest disappointments in this is actually what i've seen from a lot of the post mill camp Hmm. uh, because i have seen just as much freak out from a lot of the post mill people as i have from a lot of the dispensational people interesting and it's that's really disappointing to me um like i am i'm not uh, I'm not a revivalist. Like Finney, Finney was at, objectively a heretic, right? Like denied salvation by grace alone. He denied substitutionary atonement. Um, I, I reject a lot of what what came out of the Second Great Awakening, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, uh, the post mill mindset should be like, we got them right where we want them. <laughs> you know, like th- the only. Like God has positioned this, so let's say, and I'm not saying it will happen, uh, but let's say America becomes totally Christianized and whatever, or some kind of revival breaks out or reformation, whatever term we want to use. Things are so bad right now that the only person who could get the credit is God, right? Like, that's how I'm optimistic about it, Mm -hmm. Um, where I... This is ultimately what winning looks like is God tears down the idols and he brings reformation. And so I'm cool with that. You know, like I'm not going to freak out. Um, but at the same time, my understanding of post mill and it might, it, I've, I've been told that this is closer to optimistic ah mill sometimes, whatever, is that it's, it's a slow growth. It's not explosive most of the time. And it's not perfectly linear. It can be five steps forward and three steps backward at times, mm. right? Okay. And, uh, and I actually, I've actually been asked several times over the last years, like, "So are you still post mail with 2020 and this?" And, yes, <laughs> but but yeah, that really is one of my biggest disappointments. And, and some of the people that I listen to the most have been just freaked out for months over whether it's vaccines or whether it's the election or uh, various and sundry other things. And it's just like, you're, you're lose you're missing the point of all of this. See, for me, like 
this this is how my optim my optimistic Emil would would play out in the wake of what you know conspiracy theories and last week and all that is yeah. that I think that what we're, the, the world is not going to get better it's going to get worse before Christ returns in terms of the kinds of things that we're seeing the pervasive sin problem and corruption manifesting itself more and more and more mm-hmm. um, which I think is going to in some ways particularly in the western world force the church underground not in in the sense that we shrink or that we become less fruitful, but we actually become more fruitful, more productive. Mm-hmm. We might be persecuted. You know that that to me is what I see in the New Testament. Is I see sure. the church not. I, I see yes, Jesus saying in Mark chapter thirteen, "You're going to be brought before kings and governors, and they're going to beat you. Mm-hmm. And don't worry about what you're going to say because and and I can't remember Jesus's exact words, but you're going to be brought before them to bear witness, right? And the gospel will be preached to the whole world. So mm-hmm. the gospel is going, I think, this is my optimi- optimistic part of my email, is mm-hmm. that the gospel is going to accelerate. Sure. Yeah, yeah. In a way that, you know, makes the second great awakening look like chump change. Yeah. I think it's going to accelerate in the Western world. And I think we're going to see Christians become more bold. They're going to become like you posted something on social media after Wednesday that I thought was right on the money bullseye. And I can't remember the exact words, but it's something to the effect of this is what happens when Christians make politics, their religion. Yep. So I think what's going to happen is that the church is going to see that we can't, we cannot have our politics running alongside parallel with our faith anymore it's not going to happen it can't it, we can't do that and i think it's happened for too many people mm-hmm. and too for too long and and that's going to i think fuel this desire this longing this this passion this motivation to be about the business of the kingdom and the church might be forced underground we might be ostracized we might mm-hmm. be fired from our jobs we might be beaten thrown in jail who knows it could all happen perhaps even in my lifetime but I think the gospel is going to accelerate in the wake of that. I don't think we're necessarily going to Christianize American government. Sure, and, and I'm not alleged, like it. Uh, the United States very well could dissolve, you know, for all we know, within the next twenty, thirty years. Which you know? doesn't compromise your post mill beliefs. I understand that. Right. right. I just think that the to me the end the end point is not. I, I struggle to imagine. I hope you're right. <laughs> I hope you and Doug Wilson are right. And I am wrong. I really do. But I think either way, where the the mill and post mill guys really do get along is that the gospel is going to take off like a rocket as we see these kinds of things. So the the mm-hmm. conspiracy theories. How do we talk to people that are just bought into one or more of them, lock, stock, and barrel? If they're believers, I wonder. And this is something I need to think more about, talk, have more conversations about is how might we transition that conversation to say, hey, you know what? It might be true. It might not. We don't know. But how can we go about proclaiming the gospel more in this world where we don't know who to believe anymore when it comes to 
politics and who's in charge and who's running things and all that kind of stuff. Right? Yeah, and and you know, within not to beat the dead horse between post mill and amill too much, you know, post mill does obviously have room for God judging a nation. Uh, it has mm-hmm. room for uh, things going to crap uh, in in certain civilizations, and particularly in the West, you kind of see the entirety of the West in the middle of this convulsion mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. um, and at Postmill also has uh, uh, it does have a rebellion or apostasy at the end of the thousand years, whether it's metaphorical or literal. Um, so there is that, you know, it very well could be. I don't think it is that, you know, we've had the postmill thing and now we've got, the, you know, that last convulsion before Jesus comes back. That's possible within postmill, but I don't think that's where we are yet. I don't either. Um, and and that would be amil uh, premill whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think we're there yet. And you know, um, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. Well, one thing that my wife said when we were talking about this the other day that I because I said the same thing. I don't think we're there yet. Yeah, I think and you know, it, but she said, but look at how fast it seems like things have changed in the last twelve months. Mm-hmm. Like it could you know I I'm I've been praying that a vaccine would be widely available. I'm not one of these anti-vax people. I've said, you know, <laughs> give me the vaccine. If I grow a third nipple and walk backwards for the rest of my life, I'm going to take it because I'm so done with COVID. But it, you know, maybe things could go back to some kind of normal, but... And I'm sitting here like, you only got two nipples? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean... Not everybody had four. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's a title for the episode. <laughs> Everybody has four nipples, nipples right? Uh, now I've lost my train. Sorry. sorry. Anyway, <laughs> things things have changed so much that maybe we're closer than we think. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Possibly. I, I, mean, I don't know. Things just, it, it does feel like the world's been disrupted in an unprecedented way. I, I Maybe people historians would would dispute me on that but i mean i gotta i gotta think of stuff like the the bubonic plague i actually watched a video on that last night yeah it wiped out half the world's population yeah at least between europe and asia and africa Mm -hmm. something along those lines Mm -hmm. um so like until we get to those levels you know like i do think the world is getting better you know we we've gone from 40 terrified disciples in an upper room to 1.6 billion of us etc but here again my wife said this and, and my wife is profoundly wise sometimes yeah, far be it for me to disagree with mary but she said <laughs> she said because i said the same thing yeah and she said but just look at the way in which Good is being called evil and evil being called good. And the way that's ramped up so much, it seems like just in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And that caused me to pause and say, yeah, you know, there's something to that. I think that that could be a sign that things are accelerating to something. But how far we are away from all that, I don't know. Right. And, and I, w- I would say that that's part of the nature of nations rising and falling and sure. stuff like that. That's true. Yeah. Good. What you got, John? You anything, or you want to move on to the second cluster of questions? <laughs> let's uh, let's move on. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, my, uh, I, I hadn't intended on going an eschatological route this morning, so I'm a little, uh, 
I'm a little, well, that happened. All right. <laughs> I mean, the, the only thing that, that I would add is, is, is that the Pope is the Antichrist? Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, the technically, you know, the, uh, the treatise on the power and primacy of the Pope are in the Lutheran confessions. So, and, uh, if, if you are ordained in the Lutheran church, Missouri Senate, you need to ascribe to all of that. So, you know, perhaps, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the only thing I'd, I'd really mention there is, you know, while the church is growing, Bradley, you certainly make a good point, um, where, our definitions and our not not necessarily ours, but the definition of the world as a whole is being flipped around the good evil evil good piece. Um, never mind. I don't know where to take that. <laughs> I agree with. I was agree on the with, edge of my seat, John. I agree with parts of what both of you said, um, but. Uh, for the sake of time, let's uh, let's move on, and I will consider my thoughts and bring them to light another time. Fair enough. So, uh, more Brian Morris. After big tech censors all of us for being conservatives, at which separately operating social media site will be the rendezvous point? Oh, uh, obviously, sakes. obviously, parlors out of question. Uh, he also asked, should Christians abandon Facebook? Uh, and Simon Campling, friend of the show, friend of mm-hmm. Westminster, over uh, over in the UK with G Seventh Capos, he said, "How should Christians respond to the increasingly awful behavior of social and tech giants mm. uh, in regards to censorship?" And and this is this is one of those things where I have actually I like I've gone back and forth. Like this is actually like I know this is kind of weird for people to hear because usually I think through an issue stake out my claim and it takes a lot to get me off of that <laughs> where I think it's I think it's probably a good thing that Trump isn't on Twitter mm-hmm. like kind of objectively right uh at the same time there is rank hypocrisy uh, regarding ousting Trump from Twitter because they didn't censor while they're censoring the QAnon stuff. They didn't censor uh, stuff with black lives matter, encouraging people to burn down stores and loot stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where's the consistency is my question. Um, that's, that's one thing that has to be answered. If, if there's going to be social media censorship and I don't know if that, Ugh, far be it for me to advocate for government intervention. Does that mean that the government has to step in and say, Hey, here's your regulations as a publisher or an editor. You have to pick one. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to yeah. do with this part. Wow. So what is, is that a wow? Because I'm actually saying, I don't know what to do. No, with I, this? Think, I think it's a wow. <laughs> it's a wow because you raise a good question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that last part there, whether they're a publisher or an editor it, it is, is I think, partially the key what i think the foundation is though um is and this this doesn't go for the parlor and in amazon web services thing i I can address that later um as a as a seasoned uh it professional uh but i believe there is a (sighs) There's a there's an understanding 
uh, somehow that Facebook and Twitter, uh, well, both technically publicly traded companies um, are in some sense almost a right, uh, a service that um, think of this, the, the postal service, right? Now the postal service has uh, made uh, the decision that they're not going to ship lithium ion uh well, I guess they do, but certain types of lithium-ion batteries are, they're not going to ship a container of gasoline or something. Uh, you know, safety, uh, physical safety pieces. Uh, but I'm sure there's a conspiracy theory out there about this too, but uh, the Postal Service is not censoring what is inside, the information printed on whatever it is that they're mailing, Right. As a public entity, we wouldn't expect that. We would expect that we would be guaranteed our right to free speech uh, and uh, using the Postal Service to essentially uh, disseminate our information. We have the right to uh, write whatever the heck we want, to say whatever the heck we want, and to make that available to people. In my albeit probably short-sighted view of the whole situation, our rights end with our available with, with, with our option to make things available. The method by which they are made available, unless they're owned by part of the public trust, such as the Postal Service, are publicly or are really the private entities. And I have the right to make a video, to put it on a DVD, and to send it wherever I want. Uh, you can use the Postal Service. You can drive yourself there and you know deposit it. You can hand flyers out wherever you choose. But these large platforms who are for-profit entities that extend to us the use of their services at no charge... Arguably, it's because they're selling you know our, our information to advertisers... Um, I don't believe that Facebook... Now, don't get me wrong. I know that Facebook has censored worship services because of copyright strikes. They've, they've censored... There's, there's double standards on not censoring Black Lives Matter and while at the same time um, censoring what some people view as the other side, and that would be Trump's social media accounts. Um, okay. They, what, they have double standards. They have hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I don't think that our right to free speech is infringed by a private company making decisions. Sure. Because really, that's their prerogative. If they don't want something on their platform, they really shouldn't have to have it on their platform. There, There's no... Right. The the agreements that exist, the 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 end user licensing agreements, uh, the terms and conditions of these websites say as much. I mean, mm-hmm. by signing up for the service, you have waived your your rights to certain things. Right now, that's where 
the market comes in, right? Like we're we're good capitalists here, sure. and and Twitter and Facebook's stock has both taken a beating for the last week or so. Uh, let's see. Facebook is down three and a half percent over the last week, seven point three four percent over the last month. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twitter is down ten point seven percent in a week. Like that's insane for a stock to drop that much in a week. That's that's uh, dang near Bitcoin levels of volatility. Well, you know the <laughs> the interesting thing with with Twitter, and I'm not a market junkie. I, I will say that. Um, but the interesting thing with Twitter is before Trump used it as his bullhorn, there were also con- there, there, there were similar concerns of, of Twitter's longevity and its relevance in the marketplace being overtaken yeah. by long form Facebook, by Instagram, uh, by things like Snapchat and, uh, and, and others. But then all of a sudden Facebook or Twitter became interesting again. And one take that I think is is interesting on this is now that arguably Twitter's most uh, interesting uh, account holder has now been removed from the platform. Uh, mm. I think that may introduce mm. some concerns over longevity of the platform once again and the and the usefulness there. Um, and I don't have the numbers to back that up, but. Uh, a, a foggy memory, uh, no less, of of where Twitter was about five years ago. John, in um, your opinion, in your opinion, John, yep. is there is there is there a social media bubble that's similar to the real estate bubble that burst in two thousand eight? Mm. Mm. It's interesting. It's an because interesting you know, you, I mean, let, let me let me let me just add this caveat to my question, yeah. and then I want you to respond. Barack Obama, I just looked it up. Barack Obama has 120, almost 130 million followers on Twitter. Mm. Um, Donald Trump had what? Somewhere around 90 million. Something like that. Followers. Um, You, I've heard you say before, Cody, that the, that social media in a lot of ways has replaced the public square. Yeah. Where we, this is where it, 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 it has had a viable, place in our culture because of that you know the, the inherent nature of the people in in a in a society where there's free speech people express themselves they, right. they express their opinions we have a we have a that's that's true of our country since its inception and now we have this you know um social media surge that that happens where where people like barack obama who can have 130 million followers at his fingertips. He can in in a, in a second mm-hmm. have an audience yeah. of 130 million people to listen to what he has to say. Yeah, and and no constraints on that. Like it, t- 30 years ago, somebody like Barack Obama would have to schedule an event. Mm-hmm. And events still yeah. happen. But now he can grab his smartphone in his pocket anytime he wants and talk to 130 million people in our country. That's an enormous amount of power. And, even, and, and he even holds get, no political office. And even get push notifications to mm-hmm. all those people's phones. Yep. Like I get stuff like, hey, this guy's going live right now. Like, go check it out. Mm-hmm. I, that, that's usually, unbe- usually I'm like, no, I'm good. That's but, an unbelievable yeah. amount of power, which to me says 
where this is where I would agree with you that there there is a there is a positive benefit to this censorship that's happened in that you know we're I think I think in some ways we're reckoning with uh, you know a force um, mm-hmm. we could personify it. It's a force in our country that we're not sure how to control it. And so, John, my question is: There a bubble? Uh, and I don't just mean economically. Sure. I wouldn't have gone in that direction anyways. I'm, I'm yeah. not an economist by any stretch of the uh, imagination. <clears throat> um, I think that, that there's certainly uh, a point that we are rapidly approaching uh, that would be an oversaturation of uh, opinion at the uh, caused by by the availability of social media, um, I I don't think that 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 can even be in question um, mm-hmm. because you're right. Not but because Barack Obama has access to 126 million and Donald Trump had access to 93 billion and a million and and this person here and that person there, and it's not like they're all sitting down in a meeting and aligning their messaging. Right, mm-hmm. you know. Everybody has the, um, almost everybody has the, uh, the technical capability to amass followers, which if you ask a social media strategist is not an easy task, um, and to to share whatever the heck they think whenever the heck they want. Mm-hmm. And I think that the the call it censorship, call it editorializing or or edit or the um the editorial removal of Trump's content from Twitter. I think that may have slowed down this uh this eventual pop of this of this bubble, but I, I think we are certainly at the point of oversaturation, um, and and rapidly approaching approaching the point where um, there will be so much difference in opinion. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, th- this may convict some people here, but uh, uh, you know, speaking to let's say the worship musicians in in the audience. How many times have you gone on to worship guitar sounds or, or gear talk praise and worship and posted a picture of one of, or a piece of gear that you just picked out that you very well may like, uh, but you want other people to tell you it's good too, <laughs> right? You want that validation. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you really think about it, I, I would I would say that that the majority of social media posts that aren't like purely informational, like uh, you know. Uh, soup dinner at St. Francis on a street at seven o'clock, you know, aside from those posts, I'd say the majority of social media posts are people looking for validation of their own thoughts and ideas. Uh, certainly Donald Trump was, uh, uh, was probably no, no exception there. Uh, but when everybody's content becomes so, uh, different, from one another's everyone's own opinion as, as we're seeing in this very post postmodern world where everyone's truth is, is 100% okay. And you don't have to agree with anybody else when everyone comes to a platform 
with or or even let's take it to the the physical public square um if everyone brings their own flavor of everything there's not going to be uh there's not going to be anyone else who cares if everyone brings their own flavor as these things sort of increase social media that is if everyone's bringing um I, I don't know that 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 that's going in a in, in a direction that I think is confusing. You know, I keep going back to uh, uh, bulletin boards inside of like businesses, like gas stations or record shops or or music shops. Or there's one in the in the back of the building that my wife rents her photography studio in. You know, of of putting your stuff up there, if. If you had, if, I I don't know. I, I God darn Bradley, I haven't really thought this out, but I, I I'm definitely <laughs> convinced that we are to the point of of oversaturation of disparate ideas. Um, that not only is the prominence. <clears throat> of so many of these accounts, whether they be influencers or politicians or whoever, um, constantly blasting us with information, which, which in and of itself will, will inevitably become too much. You know, like, this is this, a lot of, yeah. this is going to sound, uh, I don't know the right word for it. So I, ju- I guess I'll just say it. It's, it's kind of showing that pluralism in an ultimate sense doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You have to have a common ground uh, in your culture. And we're seeing more and more. It can't be baseline patriotism. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's not whether a God is going to be served, but which God is going yeah. to be served. I, I think, I think that that helps steer where I was kind of just saying yeah. random words in sequence. Yeah. Um, so, it, so in, to encourage some, uh, we should note that the nation really is split, at least politically, 50-50. You know, like it's it is pretty it's a pretty even divide. It's not like the leftists are all, you know, like we don't have we don't have 150 million AOCs out there mm-hmm. uh breathing down our necks. Thank goodness. Uh, but we also don't have 150 uh you know, borderline Trump cultists, (laughs) right? Right, right. Most people are somewhere in between those extremes. And so while, while you're right, uh, the disparate opinions are increasingly loud and numerous. Mm. Um, eventually that has to cave. Yes. Somehow. Exactly. Somehow it has to cave. I think first the left will it will devour itself uh, because it can't keep doing what it's doing. Like with, with the house, uh, the house of representatives rules, uh, getting rid of all mentions of mother, father, si- or uh, brother, sister, it's only siblings, parent, parent in law, like oh that kind gosh. of, like it's, it's you, it can't keep going. <laughs> it will collapse. I think within five years or so, um, maybe, maybe that's too optimistic, but with just how ridiculous so much of this has gotten, eventually people are just going to be like, this is dumb. <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. just call it I what it is. I hope you're right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, you, the question I think was about, should Christians abandon social media? Um, there's a part of me that wants to say, yeah, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Not, not from the standpoint of, 
you know, being legalistic about it or even self-righteous or anything like that. But it's a part of me that wants to say, let's just get out of that minutia. And, but yet there, there's pause in me about that because I feel like that there, there, there has historically been this impulse among Christians when censorship happens or when yep. is that we, we, we sort of want to retreat into our little, you know, absolutely compounds. And, and, and that's not, that's not the, that's not the, what the, the Bible mm-hmm. instructs us to do. That's the, the gates of hell won't overcome the church and spoiler alert gates are defensive. Mm-hmm. They're not offensive. So they, we don't have gates trying to break down the church. The church is breaking down the gates of hell. I, I, and I so agree with that. So I don't think we should become retreatists. Um, however, you know, and on in our weekly staff meeting agenda, mm-hmm. there's a static item titled social media. Yeah. So every week, we as a staff, as a whole, go through and talk about what content are we putting out in social media. And I would say that that even ramped up our our concentration on that ramped up in the wake of the pandemic because right we, here we are we, we you know physical in person gatherings are either not possible or severely limited. And we, we have to do what we can to stay connected with people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have started to have some conversations with my team about what if we really thought through or, or rethought what kind of content we put on social media, Yep. what kind of content we put in the social square. And really it, it seems like to me, like, you know, I've been at res for 16 years and in the first part of my tenure here, the big emphasis was on the website. Like you, you have a really great website and all of your main content is on that website. Now it's like the website is almost a placeholder Yeah, in a way. It's like you, you get the very basic stuff, but all the, all the important latest, greatest information is on social media. Mm -hmm. And I started asking the question within the last two weeks, even, of our team. Should we flip that back a little bit? Mm. Should we really not, I don't want to use the word force people, but like urge people, lead people that we are shepherding here at res church to utilize our website and our blog, like really make the blog more robust um, for information related to what's happening in this worshiping community. Yep. And use social media for the content that we only want to push out there to the public, mm-hmm. which might just be the Sunday morning service, uh, you know, s- stuff that maybe has more of a, you know, marketing exposure kind of. And it wouldn't be all that difficult to post something on social media and be like, hey, if you really want the details, go here. Go here. And yeah. like, I, I think, I, th- I think I there mean, that's, is. That's what I have to do with Westminster. Mm-hmm. Exactly. If you want to buy something, you have to go to my website. <laughs> right. Very good. And, and so I think maybe as Christians, we could at least say, I'm, I'm not ready to tell Christians, let's boycott all things Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I do think for the Christian, and here's, here comes my pastoral instincts for the Christian. It's always about stewardship. With any question right. like this, it's always about how are we stewarding the resources, opportunities, influence, mm-hmm. um, 
audience that God's given us, right? So I don't have 130 million followers on on social media. Mm-hmm. I have a couple thousand. Mm-hmm. How am I stewarding those 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 couple thousands? How are, our our church has about a thousand uh, followers. So how are we stewarding that? What you know? And I think those are the kinds of questions we need to ask in the wake of all of this, and not just run to let's boycott and get off of it all and give you know the big tech giants our middle our sanctified middle finger. <laughs> you know, let's let's. I mean- can you please use that phrase in the sermon? So, I mean, going back to an analogy I, I alluded to before Cody saved my cognitive distress, uh, the, the, the bulletin <laughs> Just put board. a pad underneath it and you'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. The, the bulletin board in, in a store. Uh, I think that is, is probably the appropriate use, at least organizationally, uh, for for social media, so agreeing exactly one hundred percent what what you said. Sunday services is fine, um, but I mean, it, in, in order for people, so think of it this way, and this takes a more like uh, information security perspective on things. But in order for people to find your church's information on social media, your securities and privacy settings need to be somewhat lax. Would you take a picture from Vacation Bible School or from Sunday School and just post it on any random gas station bulletin board? No, of course not. There's some there's some thought process there. Think of it with that frame of mind. I and, hmm. and I think that's interesting, we can, John. Because because realistically, anybody else can find those. Arguably, more people can see those images posted on Facebook, unless it's in like a private group specifically for your church, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's something that really needs to be considered. Is there's there's a lot of of well-meaning organizations who are like, oh my gosh, look at all these cool things we are doing, um, but and, and this isn't just breaching personal privacy. It's it's you're you're putting images of of could be children of uh, of the elderly of uh, assets within your building uh, mm-hmm. in in. Uh, an environment uh, that is openly accessible to to anybody, and there's something that needs to be strongly considered uh, about that um, privately. So, not like an organization leveraging a platform for announcements or publications of the Sunday service or things like that, which I think are are fantastic, or advertising events. So I think those are fantastic uses. Um, you know, I I would encourage our listenership to reconsider. Uh, the amount of information uh, that they put on uh, on social media. Um, once again, going back to the fact that this is not a uh, um, this is not a free enterprise sort of uh, uh, sort of platform. I mean, these platforms are 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 owned. Um, uh, you know, they are independent companies. Um, they don't guarantee you. Uh, certain rights. In fact, you waive more than you are granted. Um, I I would be very cautious uh, about, uh, especially going forward, um, of of what you place on social media. I'm guilty of uh, of this as well, um, because while the information itself may be secure, you know, locked away in a data center somewhere. Um, and sure, you know, oh, the most harm that can come is that, uh, you know, I, I talk to my wife and 
um, in earshot of my phone running the Facebook app about um, buying bananas and I get an ad for a banana hanger the next day. Mm, <laughs> that's not, that doesn't sound too bad. Um, and perhaps it's not. Uh, really, uh, it's, it's the interpersonal risks uh, that, that exist. Um, so yeah, be cautious, be a good steward of this service. Uh, if you choose to, uh, if you choose to use it, um, yeah, social media is getting scary though. For someone who's in the tech industry, um, who, when, when I read things from other engineers who have worked at these other companies and, and, uh, you know, I, I would argue that I have a bit more insight into what some of this stuff means than than your average uh, average individual. Uh, there are some things that are are kind of kind of spooky. Not like a cabal of Satan worshippers that are spying on my phone. Not that spooky, but like, <laughs> do I really want that much exposure into my life? Whether it's a hot microphone, which arguably, depending on the privacy settings on your phone, could definitely happen. Um, my house is full of Amazon Echoes. Like I'm not, you know, I'm I've I've let Amazon spy on me. I, I hope it saves me some money. Um, but uh, just be cautious. You know, that's that's be cautious, be aware, and don't assume that because they're free to use, uh, that Facebook, Twitter, Instagram are uh, protecting you in any sense. I mean, we can certainly give thanks to God that uh, that. Um, Facebook, YouTube, uh, whatever has allowed us and many churches to publish our Sunday services. Um, now some of them sure copyright strikes because of music. I mean, that is to be expected. Uh, but sure they've turned off Donald Trump because in my opinion, he's a goon with hateful messaging, but Mm -hmm. they're what, what they haven't done is they haven't turned off the churches. They haven't turned off the churches. It's true. There's things that they have turned off. They've labeled certain things as fake news, but let us not confuse election tampering and falsification and QAnon and uh, Donald Trump. Let us not confuse that with mainline conservatism or Christianity. Yeah, that I think you know? that's huge, and I, I know we need to wrap this up. Um, but I think that's a huge point, John. Is that there, there's reason to be concerned, and and censorship is a dangerous, uh, slippery slope. But the Donald censoring Donald Trump in the wake of what happened last Wednesday is not something that needs to fuel Christians' urgency about all things related to censorship and what, how, how these tech giants might censor the church per se. Yep. Uh, That, that is not a separate issue, but it's, it's a different issue. Um, And I think we need to be careful. I think we need to be careful that not to react, overreact here. Uh, We need to be concerned, but not overreact. Yeah. One, one of the most common commands, I don't think it's the most common command in the Bible is don't be afraid, like fear not. Mm-hmm. So yeah, don't be alarmed. Like like yeah. go. I, I'll just say that go read Mark chapter thirteen. Everybody that's made it to this point in this long podcast, <laughs> go read Mark chapter thirteen and listen to Jesus say, "Watch out, be on your guard, don't be alarmed." Mm-hmm. Notice that in those in those first thirteen verses, I believe it is, 
that that's a gr- that's a great passage to just regardless of what your eschatology is hear <laughs> jesus's words to us like don't be alarmed don't be afraid don't mm-hmm. be caught off guard pay attention be watchful i think Good that's stuff, a great, i think that's a great place to leave it yeah mm. all right well follow us facebook and instagram make sure you share the show comment you know help goose those algorithms for us that we just talked about uh we haven't gotten the kibosh yet uh <laughs> Maybe one day, I don't know, uh, maybe one of these days we'll irritate Anchor or Spotify or insert platform here and get demolished. But that hasn't happened yet, and I don't <laughs> anticipate it's going to happen. Uh, so, Facebook and Instagram, westminsterfacts.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.